0: Brightman, and this is my weekly podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moi Wo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. I finished the Vibe podcast last December, just before my 60th birthday. Not for any reason other than it was a very busy month for the shop and me personally. I gave an interview and in a photo shoot to Greenpeace regarding the Lantau Tomorrow Vision and new land reclamation off of Lantau. An interview with Ming Pao Daily, along similar lines, that was published in their daily newspaper last Sunday, in Chinese. There's a link to it on my website under media. And finally, an interview with Moiwo Plus. I don't normally say no to media attention, figuring it's all good exposure for the shop. Sales at Vibe were good over Christmas, and I'm sure families wanted to end the year on a high note, and with new hope for 2021 going forward. For the first time, Vibe was open on Christmas Day, Boxing Day and New Year's Day, thanks to Caroline. We continue to maintain high standards of hygiene at Vibe, with weekly cleans, mandatory temperature testing and mask wearing, and hand sanitizer available. Over Christmas and New Year, as always, we managed to fit in a lot of walks with friends and our three dogs, Wilson, Jack and Millie and I discovered my new favourite walks are around the Wan Peninsula and along the West Dog's Teeth Walk, giving spectacular views over South China Sea, Muiwo and Puyo coastlines. Last year I read 16 books, one after the other, as I've always done throughout my life, which is not nearly enough books given I run a bookshop. I have bookshelves at home full of good books waiting to be read. No, I don't do e-books. Why should I? So this year my New Year's resolution is to read books, three at a time, in a vain hope of increasing the number to 30 books a year. In case you're interested, this is the list of books I read last year. Lantau Life – A Year on Lantau Island by Charmian Woodhouse A Small Band of Men by Les Bird Diary of a Bookseller by Sean Bithell Confessions of a Bookseller by Sean Bithell Destination Shanghai by Paul French Bloody Saturday by Paul French Tiger Hunters of Tai o by John Secchi. Hello Darlings, biography by Kenny Everett. Born to Run biography by Bruce Springsteen. Yamamoto by Eric Lowe. Tuesdays with Morrie by Mitch Albom. The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. My Autobiography by Guy Martin. Hitchhiking to Hong Kong by Tom Gorman. Old Hong Kong Photos and the Tales They Tell by David Bellis. And finally, Going Solo by Roald Dahl. For my podcast, I like to interview similar types of people in a row. Themes, if you like. Moiwo retailers, female musicians, artists. And so, for the next few weeks, I'd like to interview ex-colonial policemen, whom I'm lucky to count as friends. This week's interview is with the author of A Small Band of Men, Les Bird. Les joined the Royal Hong Kong Police in 1976 and worked in the Marine Police for more than 20 years until June 1997. Originating from Staffordshire in the UK, Bird's work was diverse. In the late 1970s, he was a Rural Inspector of West Lantau. In the early 80s, he returned to launch-going duties, overseeing the influx of tens of thousands of Vietnamese refugees in the years that followed. Among other duties, he also headed the SBU, the Marine Fast Pursuit Unit, combating cross-border smuggling of people, arms, drugs and luxury cars. Born in 1951, Les was the second from his family to serve Hong Kong. His father was part of the British Royal Navy force that came to Hong Kong in August 1945 at the end of the Japanese military occupation, and subsequently helped in the policing of the territory throughout 1946. After leaving the police in 1997, Les worked in private security throughout Southeast Asia, spending 10 years in Thailand. He is an endurance athlete and has taken part in Ironman events and long-distance triathlons worldwide. He represented Great Britain at the 2009 Ironman World Championship. In 2011, he swam the English Channel. And in 2012, summited Mont Blanc. Les is also a founding member and chairman of Asia's Rhinos Rugby Club. He is married with two daughters. Okay, so we're here today in Vibe with Les Bird. Welcome, Les. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. My favorite bookshop. So we're going to start, as we always do, with uh, 10 quick questions, just to warm us up. So first question is, what's your favorite book or author?
1: As with everyone. That we're going to say there's many, um, but my favourite book has to be The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: the main reason is it was that book at school that got me into reading. Um, I was given the book by um, obviously a teacher and told to read some of it um, because there was going to be an exam on, the, on chapter one or chapter two, and I couldn't put it down. I just read <laughs> the whole thing, and uh, I'd never read a book. Yeah, a, f- a pretty sort of hefty looking book ever. And I was just completely enveloped by the whole story. And after I finished that, I started wanting to read another thing. And so I, <laughs> I became a, a sort of like a, a, a keen reader of books. So yeah. it, it was that book that actually kicked it all off. That's so, interesting. Uh, so it's sort of stuck in my memory. It's not actually my favourite book, but, but yeah. it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's a, an important, significant book to me. Yeah. And my, both my kids have read it as well because of what I, I yeah. keep banging on about <laughs> it. And they love it too. All right. And your favourite
0: musical artist...
1: Oh, that's an easy one. That's Toa, T-O-W-A, Bird. Um, She's a professional um, guitarist, rock guitarist. Uh, You can see her on YouTube. Uh, The reason she's on YouTube is because she's in lockdown in London at the moment and can't perform on stage. She's been making a lot of um, uh, YouTube videos and she's also become something of a TikTok um, star, um, which we can't see in Hong Kong, but you can if you're not in Hong Kong. Um, uh, she, uh, she's my daughter, by the way. I did wonder, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> you figured out with the name. Yes. Uh, she, she's in a band in London, um, uh, who, were, who were becoming quite successful, uh, when, when COVID arrived and a lockdown.
0: And your preferred drink. i i once again, I'm
1: biased because, uh, my family, <laughs> my family are connected to a brewery in, in, ah. in the UK. Um, okay. And it's believe it or not, it's called Bird's Brewery <laughs> and it's in Staffordshire um, and they make um, pale ale and mild ale. Oh, um, nice. And um, so that, that has to be
0: my favourite drink. Yeah. Okay. Bird's bitter. Bird's bitter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> do you have a life motto?
1: Not really, no, but I think um, something that stuck with me when I was a, a kid at school, um, we were forced to do trampolining as a, as a sport. Um, and, and being sort of long and gangly I, I wasn't particularly very good at it and my teacher said to me you can do this a somersault forward and backward somersault if you have the courage of your convictions and I just remember that that saying and I've yeah. applied that to an awful lot of things um, I've done in life if, you, if you're if you brave enough to take that step and, and try and do something that you think possibly uh, oh, that's beyond me or whatever but if you really really try it you'd be surprised how how often it works so having the courage to to actually take that next step have the courage of your convictions is something that i've always remembered from school do you have a favorite hong kong walk i do actually um it's on the south south side of lantau peak and it's called the west dog's teeth an eight kilometer walk along a ridge uh it's about i think it's 600 meters up uh, and you walk along a ridge, and you you walk towards from from the west, towards uh, Lantau Peak. And on your right, you can see the South China Sea, and on the left, you can see the west side of Lantau. Uh, of Lantau and uh, it's quite steep on either side, and it's spectacular views.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks for that. And. Favourite Hong Kong restaurant?
1: I've become very far. Fo- you know, the old Central Police Station has been um, converted into um, sort of an entertainment centre uh, yeah. called Tycoon. On the third floor of the actual police station building is a restaurant called Madame Fu. F-U, Madame Fu's. It's Chinese food. And I go there a lot. I love it. And it's also. I I worked at Central Police Station for a very, very brief period of time and that room where the, uh, the the actual restaurant is used to be the registry office where all <laughs> the secretaries and the filing cabinets and all the old yeah. files used to be kept so it's, it's actually brilliant. quite quite interesting because now it's a, a spectacular uh, looking restaurant and it's, it's decked out in, 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 in wonderful colours and I sit in there and I can still see the, all the old filing cabinets <laughs> around me
0: that's amazing how <laughs> cool is that that's <laughs>
1: fantastic and I, I love to see people sort of um, Posing in there and having their
0: photographs taken, and I think <laughs> you, you actually don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you were in here forty, 40 years, years ago, ago. yeah, would not be for the same reasons. No. <laughs> so here's an off the wall one. Um, faced with a python whilst walking up to the peak, what would you do? Oh, um, uh, I think
1: I, what I'd probably do is I would take a photograph of it for a start. Um, I would. Uh, watch where it goes and then I would contact a chap called uh, William, Sargent. William Sargent who yep. is the snake man yep. um, in, in the hope that he would catch it and, and ensure that it was okay
0: you know, what was the best advice you were given upon joining
1: Marine never, never piss into the wind <laughs> <laughs> and it, it always worked finish this sentence I live in Hong Kong because because it's home um, I've been here for Nearly 45 years. So I arrived in 1976 um, and I feel comfortable here. I, I know the place. I know we've had trouble over the past couple of years, but that, that, uh, that and, and what's happened as a consequence doesn't bother me at all. Um, uh, I, I just know the place so well and uh, I always come back here. Yeah. Uh, I just love the place. Yeah.
0: It's my home what's your favourite area of Hong Kong?
1: Well, well there are many actually, um, I, I seem to sort of gravitate towards the the rural areas um, mm. but Tai O because I lived there um, as a young man uh, when I first came to Hong Kong and you always sort of remember your youth as yeah. being, as being um, more interesting than, than, <laughs> than life now, uh, but I've always kept uh, uh, an attachment for tai O and a lot of things happened when I was living there um, because I was a police inspector um, in, in an interesting time and uh, I've got so many fond memories and y- you can actually go back there and it hasn't really changed that much if you know where to look it's like a time machine I can go back and wander around 1970s Tai O and, and know what you know and, and remember Little things like you turn a corner and you remember if, uh, if something that happened here, or you know, the people right. who used to live there. And, and actually, some of the people who used to live there are still there in their 80s. Uh, and so I can actually sit down with some of them um, and <laughs> who, who still remember me after a bit of sort of you remember me and uh and, uh, and have a chat and see how they are. Ah, so that's it's, brilliant. It's, it's amazing, it's, it's, it's yep. a bit of a ta- an old time machine for me.
0: What made you choose to come to Hong Kong in the first place? Um.
1: It, it, I come from a, a family of Royal Naval people. My dad was in the Royal Navy. Um, his three brothers were all in the Royal Navy and my grandfather was in the Royal Navy. So it was sort of expected for me to, well not expected but I, 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 I was intending to join the RN um, and, but at the time in the 70s the Royal Navy was such that you, if you joined there was no guarantee of an overseas posting. You could end up being in an office in Portsmouth for for ten years, and of course, when you're a young man in your early twenties, you want to get out there and you want to do things and want yeah. to see the world. The alternative was to join the Royal Hong Kong Police, and I looked into it, and um, I saw that there was a marine division, and I thought if I go for that, that would be quite good. And then I found out that my actual my father was. Here, posted here in, to, in Hong Kong <laughs> in, in in 1945. He was part of the, um, the uh, Admiral Harcourt staff. Uh, and he was here for nearly two years, 1945 and 1946, uh, helping rebuild Hong Kong um, or, or put it back together, um, get it back on its feet. Mm. So there was a family tie, mm. um, Hong Kong, and there was a marine division, and I thought, I'd prefer to come and see the Orient uh, rather than risk staying at home, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to get out and I wanted to see the world. And so I, mm. I replied and I got accepted and, and that's how I came here in 1976.
0: So as you say, you arrived back in the mid... Uh, you, you arrived here first of all around 1976. What was Lantau Island like in in the mid-70s? I,
1: I think... Um, it, I've looked into this because of doing research for my book and I think in the 1970s it was very very similar to the 1960s the 1950s and it, it, it changed quite dramatically I think or not well it changed a lot in the 1980s when Hong Kong boomed and it became a, a huge financial hub um, uh, you know and the airport was built but in the 1970s it was very very quiet it was old colonial style, um, certainly living out at Taiyo. There was no finished road between Muiwur and Taiyo when I was there, um, so it took it, it took about, uh, and then the ferry, the only ferry, was from uh, Central to War which took an hour, and then you'd have about a three-hour journey to Taiyo, so uh, we were absolutely isolated out there. In fact, Tayo is nearer to Macau than it is to Central. I don't know if you know <laughs> that. Uh, but, no. um, and then uh, I was living at the police station, which is another further mile out past the village. Yeah. And There's no road, so you, that was another walk. So we were really... Uh, in the boondocks uh, out on our own and um there was there was none of the communications that we have today so it was yeah. like an outpost when, when i when i first came here so it was it was it was very much similar lifestyle to the 1950s right type of thing um, yeah th- we didn't get visitors we had to sort things out on our own um my orders arrived usually a day late in an old satchel Um, written on a piece of paper, a Thai piece of paper, and then I would action the orders and then type up a reply and then send it back um, the following day. So (laughs) um, uh, we did have one uh, um, telephone line which uh, didn't work when it was raining and that was the only link to the outside world.
0: Wow. Wow, and and so you say that it took one hour to get from central to Moiwo, but then a further three hours to get from Moiwo to Tayo. Yeah. So how were you making that journey?
1: We had two Land Rovers, okay, um, a long wheelbase and a short wheelbase attached to the station, and the short wheelbase was my own runaround. Right. So we would usually drive, um, but it was a quite a hazardous drive. Then there was no paved road, so you'd be driving along a a, a narrow dirt road yeah. with drops on the onto the left and and the right so it was really really very it was a slow journey yeah um, we often had to stop because if another vehicle was coming the other way you'd, you the two of you would have to do a dance or try and yeah. figure out how to you're going to because there wasn't any passing places right um, and it, it just took an awfully long time. What was yeah. good about that was that no one used to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The bosses yeah. from police headquarters would yeah. say, "Tayo, no, it would take us four hours to get there and four hours back. That means we're really only going to be there for five minutes, so <laughs> yeah. we won't bother."
0: And what was Tayo like back in those days? Was it a, f- a thriving fishing? Yeah, yeah, it pool? was.
1: Uh, I think it had a population of around about three to four thousand in those days, and the main industry was fishing. Uh, there was no tourism, uh, so you, you didn't get that weekend crush uh, that you do now. Um, of course there was the old tyre rope ferry, there was no actual connection yes. between the island itself where the police station is and the main village and the main island. Uh, so you, you know that was another, another delay, was the walk from the yeah. police station into the village and then across yeah. on the ferry in onto the... Tayo, uh, onto Lantau main, yeah. mainland. Uh, and then you had to walk another sort of 20, 15 minutes to find my jeep, which was, the, the par- which was parked outside the village. Yeah. Uh, so Lantau, sorry, uh, Tayo was very much a sleepy. Uh, Village generally that that closed down around about eight o'clock at night, everything was closed okay and then it came to life at about three four in the morning when the fishing fleet right. came in yeah uh, and it became usually busy for most yeah. of the morning with the fish trading.
0: what was your view of Moi Wo back in those days? was that what well, was it
1: was the big city for me <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very Excellent. similar to it is yeah. to what it is now actually uh, okay um, there was shops yeah. Um, and uh, I would occasionally come down here. One of the other police inspectors on the island w- was staying at Moywa Police Station, living at Moywa Police Station. Which so was in the same place? Same place, yeah, yeah uh, on the hill there. Um, so I would come down here um, once or twice a week just, just for someone to talk to.
0: Moving on, to, so you and I really kind of know each other through your first book um and and a talk you did here over 12 months ago now i think yeah. um at the time you know we we took the book on i read it i i think i had to read it before your talk i can't remember whether you insisted or not but <laughs> actually i couldn't put it down once i started reading it and actually i would say it was the best book i'd read last year um and i read probably 20 books a year which which isn't perhaps a lot for a bookshop owner but um But anyway, thoroughly enjoyed the book. Um, Perhaps you can just tell people a little bit about what the book's about and how it came about, maybe.
1: Yeah, uh, it's about uh, my... Well, it's about several things. Uh, 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 My career in the Marine police started in 1976 and then I left in 1997, uh, just before the handover. So my career was the last, if you like, 21 years of colonial British rule in Hong Kong by purely by coincidence mm-hmm. um, and so I, when writing the book when writing my sort of memoir I, I also wanted to capture that era which changed dramatically afterwards and uh, I, I didn't want that time to be forgotten if you like and, and yep. I, through my own memories I was able to um, re- recall most of the, the historical issues that were going on in that era. Um, and, I, and I just wanted to capture that era in the book, so it w- it's not so much a memoir, it's more also um, a 20-year a history of, of, of what was happening in Hong Kong. And of mm-hmm. course being a, uh, an operational police officer I was involved in a lot of the, the key things that were going on, like the influx of Vietnamese refugees um, after the end of the war in 1970, 1975, there was a big influx of Vietnamese into hong kong and and I was at the front of, of dealing with, with that. then there was a cross border smuggling by Dai the the big the big uh, f- uh, speedboats that, that were, were purpose built for theft in hong kong and, and and transport so that was a big issue too so the, the book is, is full of stuff like that yeah. and uh, but it 's more than a memoir it's it 's it's, it's a book about an era yeah,
0: yeah. and a book about People as well that so, uh, that th- th- were in the police force in a very colourful time, really, and sure. I think quite perhaps different to what people would expect and experience back in the UK. Um, sure. You, well, I tell the stories through those
1: people, um, mm. through the people I met, through the people I worked with, um, and they. A lot of them were old colonials. Um, at, at all my, when I first joined in nineteen. 76 all the old boys who were the bosses if you like the senior guys had been in Hong Kong since the end of the war so they their methods and their way of dealing with things and their uh, in the chain of command was very old-fashioned it was it it was it was like old British Army style way of doing things rather than you know the modern-day policing that you see um, uh, around the world today so it, it was more old colonial style. And it was interesting for me because um, I, it, when I arrived, I, I had to go to the police training school for nine months, obviously, to be taught what to do. And you're, ta- you're taught how to do things by the book. And then mm. when I graduated and went to work for these old colonial guys, of course, they, yeah. they'd never even read the book, yeah. let alone thrown the book over <laughs> the side. Um, So there was two ways of doing things. Do do, do you do things the way you've been taught or do you follow the guy who's your senior, now your senior officer? So it was an odd dynamic trying to fathom my way through the, um, through the way of doing things properly. Yeah.
0: Without sounding like a complete know it all or a newbie that was, you know, kind of, um, yeah, immediately trying to put yourself on the opposite side of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very tough. I would imagine. Actually, I didn't, um, Perhaps appreciate that 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 it was the people that had come through the war that are then.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the senior officers in in Hong Kong when I joined had gone through the colonial police service because as they'd served as military during the war, at the end of the war they joined the colonial police service and gone to serve in places like Fiji, Uganda, and and as those colonies closed down and were, were, were gained independence. They moved on. Yeah, Like, for example, yeah. um, the Commissioner of Police, when I joined uh, Roy Henry, he'd been a soldier in, in, in the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, he'd been uh, in, in the Ugandan police force and he, he'd served in the Fijian police force before he came to Hong Kong. So wow. he, he arrived with about five different, different yeah. ways of doing yeah. things. And he was typical of the senior officers we, 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 we had in the police at that time.
0: Are there any plans for a second book? Yeah,
1: yeah. I After the first book came out, and there was all the hoo-ha of the marketing and the the talks and the excitement of being a, a published author, mm. I thought, that's it, I don't want to do that again. That was too much... Tick. Yeah, Dick <laughs> yeah, done that. Yeah. But... It's funny you know after you after you sort of have a rest for a while and, yeah. uh, and you, you start to think oh why didn't I include that story why didn't I include that and someone will yeah. send me a story do you remember do you remember when we did this and I think oh I should have put that in um, and, and now I've got I've now got more than half a book finished okay um, and I don't know it might work um, same sort of thing same era
0: um, and a lot of the same people yeah uh, so it'll be a continuation you know it's one of our top sellers in the shop in vibe and i know across hong kong as well i think a lot of people would enjoy that enjoy the way that you write that the way you research books um it, it's very it comes across as very sort of natural and it fills in a lot of the gaps of you kind of knew what was happening in those days, but you didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. Mm, mm. And, and this puts a name on those scenes. Yeah, I
1: think research is key um, to this. It, it, you know It's great having your own memories and, and writing it up exactly as you remember it. But then you have to research what you've written to make sure you've got the time, the date, the place, the people, the exact way it happened. And it took me about a year to research the, that book, um, Small Band of right. men, um, um because I wanted to get, it was so, so important, because it, as I said earlier, it's capturing an era and, and everything has to be absolutely spot on. Because if, it, if it's not, then it's not real. What's happened since the book um, certainly went to the UK and, and, and it's done quite well there too. Uh, a lot of the people I used to work with who I haven't been in touch with and haven't seen and didn't even know where they were, have been in touch saying, yeah oh I remember that you know really enjoyed your book I enjoyed that particular story I was there with you do you remember this and do you yeah. remember that and and they've added to um, the you know to, to each each particular story yeah and and and, and, and then it knocks on to something else and, and so I've been able to um, compile more more and more stories uh, and, of course, re- rekindle all these relationships that yeah. people I worked with and, and enjoyed being with but haven't seen for 30 years and they're still wow. knocking around.
0: H- how, how are you getting on in COVID-19 times?
1: Um, not not too bad. Um, you know, you, I, com- I always compare how we do in Hong Kong compared with overseas, you know. Yes. It, it, I think we... I don't know, is lucky the right word or smart? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, both. The, I think I think the precautions that were taken here in Hong Kong when it when it all kicked off were the right right thing to do. Um, obviously, the the restrictions on travel are starting to get at me. Uh, initially, it didn't bother me because I had so much to do here with the book. Mm. Um, so I've busied my busied myself with that. But uh, I've got two. Grown-up daughters who I haven't seen for now for a year. uh, So that's getting to me a little bit.
0: Yeah, Uh, I can imagine
1: um, so Yeah, like everyone else really um, Mm. travel restrictions is is an issue um, Mm. and uh, Obviously the closures of of places and having to wear a mask and all that sort of stuff is is not exactly ideal But yeah, I think we are better off here than than in most places.
0: I understand that you're working on four other presentations at the moment. Um, you, you made a great presentation here a year ago which was about the Vietnamese boat people. Right. Um, what other things yeah. are you working on
1: then? Um, well basically what, when, what, what I did when I was a young police ins- Marine Police Inspector is I always carried a camera in my kit bag mm. and when circumstances permitted I would take a few shots and consequently I've got a library of about three, four hundred photographs that I took throughout my career um, and what I'd like to do is I've put together four presentations of these pictures and I talk through them or over them and present them um, and I put them into four categories. Uh, There's the one I did here along the southern boundary which was the um, influx of Vietnamese uh, between the 70s and 80s. I've just finished one about the Daifei era, which was the cross border criminal smuggling mm. by high power speedboat, uh, I, I commanded the unit that was tasked to stop that yeah um, so I did that for three years um, so i 've got a huge amount of photographs connected with that, so that 's another presentation talk yeah um, i 've done quite a, an, I think it's my favorite one. It's about my two years at Tai o in the 1970s. Mm. I, by chance, I did take some photographs back then. Right. Um, and uh, I, 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 I found enough material to talk about, for an hour, about 1970s living in Tai o and, yeah. and life on Lantau in the 1970s. Uh, so I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. And the fourth one is a talk about my book, um, which I okay. do in conversation with, Anne Marie Evans of uh, RTHK's Anne Marie Evans. Um, We did that talk for the Hong Kong Literary Festival. Um, My book was um, included in the festival. And uh, we did that talk to an audience of somewhere about 80 people at Tycoon uh, in November. And that seemed to go down very, very well indeed. Um, And so we're offering, Anne Marie and I are also offering that talk um, to supplement the book, if you
0: like yeah okay but well, i mean four great sort of subjects and i've seen you you sent me once a number of the photos and i i just love these photos i mean they're you would expect to see them in in films or whatever Some exploding boats and uh you know the car in a condom and all these sorts of things <laughs> they're just um yeah. great to see these colonial pictures which are real you know from that era yeah um
1: Uh, It's quite amazing, actually, that the photographs sat in a box which I've (laughs) carried around with me um, for 30 years. And when I decided to write the book, I spread all the photographs out on the floor in in my flat. So it it was a huge sort of... Um, carpet of photographs, yeah. and I was able to draw a lot of memories by looking at the photographs yeah. and remembering the incidents and the times and the yeah. and what happened just by looking at them and the people who were looking back at the camera. And then, after the book was published, it, it dawned on me that p- other people might want to see these pictures. Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, so hence the the four talks because yeah. they they are presentations of these photographs. Yeah, and and I just talk over them, explaining what's happening in each in each. Film. Yeah, yeah. And they're put into to a sequence to make it um, take take the, the the viewer through the era of of that particular topic.
0: Yeah, okay, I mean a very important era in Hong Kong, I think, a very you know exciting era, a wind down era as well as you said earlier. And uh, you know, I thoroughly look forward to those talks, and and maybe hopefully we can have a few of them here at Vibe as as well. Absolutely, I do have a website up now.
1: Um, yeah, it's lesbirdhk.com. Okay. Right. Um, and there's a lot on there about those particular talks. There's a lot of photographs on on the on the on the website, um, and there's just other stuff about uh, Hong Kong in that era.
0: Because you're now also writing for the magazine, aren't you? Is it Fragrant uh, Harbour I, I, magazine. Yeah I,
1: I, yeah, I write for Fragrant Harbour um, uh, about things maritime, um, yeah. either historical or current. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I've just done a I'm just doing a an article on a former marine police officer who served in or, the water police in 1920s, and all his memorabilia has just been found in in in, um, wow. in the UK and they've sent it back to Marine Police headquarters so they're sorting it all out so Fantastic. I'm, I'm writing an article about him and uh, all all these memoirs and his, his notes and things that, that they found, it's quite interesting actually.
0: That just remains for me to say, thanks very much Les Bird for coming to Vibe, and um, updating us on where we are today. It's a pleasure, pleasure Gary, thank you. A reminder that we still have a free box of English and Chinese books and music outside the shop each day, along with $10 books and $20 CDs. We also have plenty of free books still available for helpers, and employees can now pick them up. We have an increasing number of Japanese language books, as well as English educational books at all levels. Our new YouTube channel, Live at VibeHK, is up and running. Just Google it. Our website is at vibehk.com. You can find podcasts, videos, interviews and special offers there. We hope to have more authors, talks and tiny desk gigs at Vibe this year, Covid restrictions permitting. If you want to keep informed of these, either like us on Facebook at Vibe Silvermine Bay or join our emailing list by contacting me directly. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 14th Vibe book and music shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it?
1: Fresh green. Like a dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.